Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. And today we're going west to Calgary to talk to Alvin Lowe. And we're going to find out a lot more about Alvin and his many activities. He is definitely involved in a lot of activities. So, welcome, Alvin, and tell me where you went to school. Uh, which ones, Peter? <laughs> I grew up in a place called Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and I, uh, I went, obviously, to school way back in the dark ages of the 60s and 70s. I was born in 1960, and then my college experience is limited to two years that I studied at Mount Royal College in Calgary, where I live now, uh, and I studied broadcasting, and that was my first career idea, but it didn't last very long because I decided to to leave radio and become a speaker, and I can't believe I've been doing this for 42 years, Peter. Okay. So you were a radio broadcaster first. And it was logical, and as we go through the interview, I'll probably tell your guests some things that might seem rather astounding, and that is one simply put, I play music. Uh, I started playing uh you know, the, the piano was my first try, but that didn't work out very good when I was told that my toes were too short to play the piano because obviously, if your guests haven't noticed, I have no arms. Uh, then I got a band director in Yorkton that was an incredible man that managed to somehow envision a trombone mounted on the side of a chair that I played with my foot, and that was how I got into band, and that led to drums, which were just a pure interest for me that I wanted to try. And I say that all because... The entertainer that I wanted to be would not have made sense in 1978 when I graduated high school. We didn't know what we know now about, you know, the kind of things we're talking about on your show. So I chose a safe route, thanks to my guidance counselor in my high school, suggested I go into broadcasting, and that made the most amount of sense because I like to joke, what's a guy without arms supposed to sound like anyway? So here we are. So Alvin... For our audience who can't see you, this is an audio only. Let's talk about why you don't have arms. You know, Peter, it's an interesting dynamic when people can't see me. And I say that because I am a visual oddity. All right. We're used to in 2023 <clears throat> because we've been conditioned and taught to recognize someone in a wheelchair who has mobility issues, someone who may be using sign language because they're deaf or someone who might be blind using a cane or, or a guide dog or any of those things, but we're not used to seeing somebody without arms. So people of the older generation, they connect that image to thalidomide. Thalidomide was, of course, the morning sickness medication that became infamous in the early 1960s when it was given to pregnant women to combat nausea. And, and of course, we now know historically that was the wrong thing to do, we now know pregnant women shouldn't take any kind of drugs during their pregnancy, but we learned that from thalidomide. So I was not even typical for that era in that I have no arms at all. My legs and feet are just fine, but a rather more typical image would be somebody with both, all four limbs affected to a certain degree. So that's what the visual is, but I'm also a foot user. So I've learned to use my feet to become very, very, very independent. Excellent. Now, I don't know how we tackle your career in terms of what you do or what you don't do, I guess. 
you do uh, films, you do speaking, huh? you write, um, you entertain, obviously. So the question is, have I missed anything? Well, that's kind of funny that you say it that way, because even when I hear you put it that way, I forget. I think the visuals of me led to being in documentaries. Those documentaries uh, allowed me to, with a visual, of course, a lot of assistance, these television shows that we used to have before internet. And I was, you know, in the early days, in the 70s, even featured on national television, on CBC. And that notoriety, I think, brought a broad appeal to Canadians about this character in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, using his feet to do everything from drive a car to cook a meal to dress himself, very independent. So I like to say this, Peter, without, without too much ego, I believe I was kind of ahead of the curve. So nowadays we see people with disability, for example, in movies. We didn't see them so much back in those days. So a couple of the films that I did were sort of quirky films. Um, I played an armless preacher on an episode of X-Files, and you can imagine the part was not written for me. It was written for an armless preacher, but good luck finding an armless actor because there just wasn't many of us around. So a lot of these roles I got came to me because I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, but really I never set out to do these things. They've always just come to me. Um, and the opportunities are there, I think, because I have a high profile that people have always invited me to things. But I think the other thing that I'm so proud of, and a lot of times people with disability aren't always fans of these, but I've done over 200 telethons in my life, all television. And that is an example of where I take my story, use it as a public tool to educate and, and, and make people aware of not only Alvin Law, but the issue that your show does so well, talk about disability issues. You know, when we talk about inclusion and diversity, Peter, it's not a buzzword anymore. It's a reality. And as we enter this arena, especially people with disabilities, I would hope they're encouraged, not discouraged, by the way we're headed. You're absolutely right. There's a lady that I was coaching who runs an organization called Ability Online. And she took in brackets is the DIS. So I yes. thought that was an important idea. Well, and that's you know what? It, people may think it's trivial to do that, but it's not. You know, I think, in fact, we can even get to the point where when I remember this very, very well, I actually had the very good fortune of getting to know Rick Hansen, and I'm lucky to call him a friend, and I'm not name-dropping. And, of course, Rick Hansen, for those that may not know, was, was the man in motion, the person that went around the world in his wheelchair. Imagine when he did that and how incredible that feat was. But imagine what he's done since with his foundation, you know, and all the things he's doing about accessibility. But I think at the bottom line to all of this is positive is the focus. And that might be annoying to some because it's not positive necessarily on its own to have a disability. But I like to say this without being disrespectful, Peter. I was born this way. There's nothing wrong with me. But there are things that get in my way. You know, obviously things can be challenging. That is also relevant. But our mindset is everything. And when we think of ourselves like I do, I'm just grateful I've got my feet, Peter. I may have no arms, but at least I can use my legs. 
or you know other things that we might conclude in, in society you know we go up to go to a building and it doesn't have accessible stairs or there's no ramp i understand that's frustrating but that's why we continue to move towards change and as we change things it gets better for all of us so alvin talk about your business partner oh my wife darlene yeah actually it's funny because i was a pretty talented speaker there's no question about it early on in my life i had the gift of gab but i do not have the gift of organization <laughs> i'm a i'm a musician i'm a scatterbrain right but in 1991 when i was uh, divorced from my first go-round and i uh, actually had a five-year-old living in my home i was a single dad um i met darlene and i darlene uh, was a, a human resources specialist she was also into adult education in alberta and we became acquaintances by her role uh, coordinating this conference that I was a speaker for. And that friendship led to quite the experience. By six months after we had met, I had somehow convinced her to move from Calgary after she had left the marriage to move to Regina, of all places. And I'm not trying to disparage Regina, but, you know, going from Calgary to Regina, she heard a lot of grief about that. But, you know, she's the perfect example, Peter, of what I'm talking about. When people see Darlene visually, I'll just say it, she's very striking. She's very pretty. And people are surprised. They go, couldn't you have chosen somebody, you know, different? And her point is, no, I like different. I like unusual. I like Alvin because he's not like everybody else. And it's his spirit that brought us together, she says. So... Not a coincidence, I believe, Peter. I believe lots of things happen for good reasons. And thankfully, she has been running our company since 1991. And I've had the good fortune of having her help me grow my business to places that I can't believe it. Peter, I'm in the Hall of Fame in Canadian speakers, and I, I can't believe that. But even more importantly, I'm in the Disability Hall of Fame of Canada. I don't even know if your listeners are aware there is one. I actually went in in 2018 with Jim Kite, who was the only deaf hockey player to play in the NHL, and Prime Minister Mulroney, who got into the Disability Hall of Fame, even though he doesn't have a disability, because of all the work he did to improve legislation. You know, we don't have a Canadians with Disabilities Act, that's not what it's called, but we do have government legislation that guarantees rights for people with disabilities. So you see, I've also done some things that are rather remarkable that I never would have imagined coming and I'm humbled by every every bit of it. So, Alvin, in our research and what we've done, 22% of Canadians have a disability. And when you take into account family and friends, that number goes up to 54%, which is, shows there's an incredible market from a business perspective. And a couple of other facts I want to throw in little company called Amazon has 30% of their employees have a disability. I didn't know that. But here's where it's even more interesting. Only 3.7% will admit they have a disability. So what we've also found is a lot of corporations may have a policy on disability, but then when you try to find out when it was last updated and who's responsible, that's almost impossible. So we're trying to work on that and see if we can increase that 
even even the governments, provincial and national, their policies are out of date, and to find who is responsible for updating or taking action, that's a real problem. Well, and I think there's an uncomfortable side to this, Peter, and I'm glad you brought it up. At the end of the day, what is and defines disability? That, to me, is the really tricky part of this question, right? Because it could include so many things we don't see. Let me talk about Darlene again for a second. We've had to change our office dramatically because Darlene is now probably six months away from getting a cochlear implant. And for the audience that doesn't know that, it's literally an implant, not a hearing aid, that goes into your head and wraps around the uh, cochlear nerve and dodge or sidesteps the eardrum because my wife has only got 35% hearing left. One ear is completely dead. The other ear is 35% left. And she has big trouble with communicating on the phone. So we no longer have telephone calls. She has to either do Zoom where she can read lips, but I'll give you an example why. If we didn't live together and we were married, I would have a hard time justifying keeping her on as the office manager who can't communicate or we make a different way around that. Now we tell people, don't phone. And if I need to get a call regarding any appointments for her, they all know, call her husband. So we've made our own accommodation. But some companies, and no disrespect, they just don't know how to do this right. And that's why we teach them. But here's the other thing. People that don't want to acknowledge they have a disability, with due respect, need to show a little bit more pride. There's nothing wrong with having a disability. In fact, I would suggest, because I'm Mr. Happy and Mr. Positive, COVID may be the turning point we needed for account for not for just being able to allow accommodation. Just imagine it, Peter. All the problems of transportation for mobility, account, you know, accessibility, ramps, special washrooms, special desks. They all go away if you can have a person with a disability with any skills work from their own home. And isn't that a relief? The idea they could do that? Here's another anecdote that I won't give proof to, but I anecdotally believe a disabled person can be a better employee because of their mindset, again, of appreciation for a job. You know, call in sick less, complain less, but we must be that individual. And I'm not saying I'll be positive like I am, but bring to the table what you're worth. We all need to have value. And I think that's what disabled people need to learn as well. Give the company or the association value and they'll keep you around. Yeah, my wife has Parkinson's, Alvin, and uh, she's fallen several times lately. So, oh. so I can understand that. So having said that, where do you see what you're doing today, three years from today? What will you add I, to what you're doing? I'm looking backwards at 42 years, and I'm guessing that I won't be doing anything really hugely innovative <laughs> because I always seem to just plunk along. But I think what's going to happen is this. I believe the post-COVID era has opened up a bigger stage for people like me. And I don't need people like me with a disability but people that are speakers, that have inspirational stories. We more and more need to hear these stories, especially able-bodied individuals, to put their own lives in perspective. We need to teach younger people in schools. 
that uh, uh, this whole idea of adversity and inclusion is not a human resources scheme. It's a demographic of our world. Our world is made up of people with challenges. We all need to live and work together. So all I can say, Peter, is I just want to keep on chugging ahead, just like that little train who could, saying, yes, I can, yes, I can, yes, I can, because, yes, we can make a better world together. And I think that may sound awfully warm and fuzzy. I'm not suggesting there isn't a dark side to it. But I think we need to bring up this plus, more positive attitudes. But more than anything, I just want to keep on doing what I get to do because I, uh, there's no retirement in my plan, Peter. I don't have that date at 65 years old where I say, I'm done. In fact, I like to compare myself, one more visual for your audience. I'm like those old rock and rollers playing small town casinos, right? I didn't get to go and do the big arenas anymore, but I haven't left. I'm still around, and I still plan to play until the end of the days, whenever that is, 95, 100 years old, I hope. Oh, that's excellent. So having said that, how do people reach out to your, you and your organization? So it's real simple, Peter. Thanks for asking. I'm at alvinlaw.com, and you can reach my website. That is where you can find out more about me. I'm on YouTube. I have lots of videos. I do a regular series called On the Road with Alvin. They were supposed to be on the road of being away, and then COVID came along, so I had to adjust the message. But I do lots of social media, not because I'm a big fan of it, but because it's another way to spread the good news and to get traction out there with all the negativity. So, yeah, that's the way to do it. Okay, Alvin, are you in contact with other people without arms or without legs? I am. Uh, I don't keep in regular contact. But what I can tell you is I was one of the founding members of the Thalidomide Victims Association of Canada, which is a peer support group. Obviously, there's lots of people that have multiple limb issues, but I do get to run into these folks every now and then. Um, and, you know, it's really funny. There's so many people that do extraordinary things, like Jessica Cox, who flies an airplane with her feet. I mean, my God, really? I think sometimes we can be misconstrued, though. We're not all out there trying to show off. We're just trying to live our lives. But if we can gain some public attention in the process, then you know we're adding on to what we would probably call what we don't have. Well, thank you, Alvin. It's been a real pleasure. Peter, thanks for asking. And by the way, sir, thank you for what you do, trying to make this more public, more knowledge, more awareness, and at the end of the day, a better country, right?